Hello and welcome to Pirate Wire Services. I'm Paulo Rosas and this week I'll be looking at what's behind the progress we've seen this week in Peru. There have been serious and violent progress in several cities in the Andean country over the past week. The demonstrations and roadblocks started last week and were led by transport unions protesting the rise in fuel prices. But decisions taken by the left-wing government of Pedro Castillo have prompted the protests to spread to Lima, with remarkable levels of violence and calls for the president to resign. So far, six people have died as a result of the protests, two of them during confrontations with the police. So, what's in store for Peru over the next few days? To answer that question, we need to look at the context. A few weeks ago, at Pirate Wire Services, we wrote about the crazy levels of political instability Castillo's government was facing. While it's true that his government has been attacked by far-right congressmen, Castillo's decision haven't exactly helped him. Scandals ranging from naming controversial ministers to his involvement in alleged corruption cases have allowed the opposition to attempt to impeach him twice in just eight months of government. Economic indicators aren't looking too good either. So, in this context, the government is now facing the biggest progress of its term so far. How did this progress start? Obviously, these rising fuel prices weren't just happening in Peru. They were a product of general post-pandemic inflation and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But the government handled the truck driver's demands poorly, making light of their motivation. One minister even said that there had, unquote, only been four deaths. To explain this better, I spoke with Maria Paula Tavara, a political analyst based in Lima. I think that the Castillo government has had two main problems in its handling of the protests over fuel price rises. On the one hand, it didn't give them the weight and the relevance that they deserved. He played them down and suggested that they were maybe just people being paid to protest, as Castillo said at one point. But also, he had difficulties communicating effectively that this is a global problem could have been looked at quickly, but it didn't depend on this country alone. When they dropped the fuel price tax, they didn't communicate that that wasn't going to have an effect from one day to another. It was going to take a few days. But the communication and the messaging from Castillo and his top officials was so bad that the population didn't really realize that these measures, which were being introduced late anyway, they didn't realize they were being taken at all. As Maria Paula said, the government decided to cancel a fuel tax, hoping it would make prices go down. But they did it only after the protests spread from Sierra Central region where they were limited at first, to the north and south of the country. This announcement had little effect on most protesters, who now included not just truck drivers, but people from the general population complaining about rising prices. On Monday, the 4th of April, the protests got bigger and more violent. Local media reported that supermarkets were being looted in the northern city of Trujillo. Faced with the possibility that looting could spread to the capital city, Lima, Castillo decided just before midnight to declare a curfew the next day in Lima. 
It felt like the beginning of the pandemic again. But he made the announcement so late that many people, including my mother for instance, woke up the next day with no idea what had happened. Peru is a country with a huge informal economy, which means that many people need to go out and work every day to survive. When asked about this, Justice Minister Felix Cheiro said, I don't think they will go without eating, because it's one day. This decision turned a lot more people against the government, especially in Lima, where it was perceived as authoritarian. What do you think about it, Maria Paula? President Castillo's decision about the curfew, as well as being unconstitutional, as several of my lawyer friends have said, is a disproportionate decision, a decision that seems to speak to how distanced Castillo has become by not looking at what's happening, by not paying attention to the media, and instead finding things out by listening to the gossip of his inner circle. So he doesn't respond to what's actually happening, doesn't understand that it doesn't make sense to shut down Lima when the focus of the protests is in other regions. He miscalculated how the population was going to take that. This is a very centrist population that didn't appear to have realized what was happening elsewhere in the country, right? On the 5th of April, protesters banged pots and pans all over the city, in protests known as cacerolazos. Some of these protests started in middle-class and upper-class neighborhoods, where people tend to oppose Castillo. But the cacerolazos could also be heard in more marginalized areas, where Castillo has his base of support. In the afternoon, a huge group of people went out and marched against the government and its curfew. As all this was happening, the president was in Congress, where he had been called to explain his decision. Just a few minutes after the session started, Castillo decided to cancel the curfew. But it was too late. Streets in the center of Lima were full of demonstrators. Most of them were peaceful, but some violent groups clashed with police in the historic city center. There were reports of vandalism, theft and looting. One group even got into the headquarters of the judicial authorities, destroying their offices. According to Peru Ministry of Health, at least 11 people were injured, including six police officers. Only 18 people were arrested that day. To understand who exactly the protesters are, what they want, and what this means for Castillo's government, let's hear to Maria Paula. You have two main groups of protesters against Castillo in general terms. On the one hand, there are those who are demanding that he resign, or people who are more closely linked to the right-wing opposition. But especially now, you've got groups of citizens who might even have voted for him and who are angry and frustrated with him for not fulfilling his campaign promises about things that were going to change. And this was a citizenship that was expecting change, right? Expecting the state to react to their problems. But over the past few months, what they've had is this buildup of inefficiency, distance, absence of the state. And this was a state where there were perhaps more expectations than before. 
So they feel that while they're living in this really complex reality and demanding solutions, the political debate is sterile. It has nothing to do with them, and the president who's supposed to represent them isn't responding to that set of needs and expectations. Nevertheless, there is the idea, especially abroad, that the people who protest against Castillo are eminently right-wing and conservative. Could you say so? Creo que en las protestas en Lima a partir del 5 de abril ya no se puede hablar solamente de personas de derecha o de cercana. I think especially in the protests in Lima on the 5th of April, you can't just talk about right-wingers or people linked with the opposition. We're talking about people who are tired of things not working, who feel that the measures being taken by the government are indefensible, who feel that their right to protest on the 5th of April is being violated and rightly so. I think discontent has been accumulating, and over the next few days, we saw trade unions and other social organizations coming out and marching and, you know, starting to say clearly to Castillo, not necessarily we want you out, although there were some demands for him to resign, but more than anything, you know, react, do something, fulfill your promises, do something about what's happening because we can't wait anymore. This is a sector of society that has found it difficult to come out and protest because they don't necessarily want to march alongside political sectors they view as wanting a coup, but they can't take any more. What's going to happen in the next few days? It's hard to say. Will Castillo face a new attempt of impeachment from the Congress? Will he start listening to people's demands? Will he resign? Those are the questions right now. In the meantime, his Prime Minister, Aníbal Torres, has coughed all the attention after he set Adolf Hitler as a good example for road building during crisis time. So far, we don't know if he's looking to sacrifice himself to save Castillo or if he's really an undercover fascist. We will soon let you know. And that's all from us at Pirate Wire Services this week. I'm Paulo Rosas. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list. We are piratewireservices.substack.com and we tweet at pirate underscore wire. See you next week.